I may, we'll commence this meeting of scrutiny committee. Um, before we start, just a reminder that this is an online broadcast, and as far as, as I am aware, there are no fire or emergency drills. The exit's over there, and muster in the car park should the alarm go off. Um, first thing, public speaking, and we have a representative of the town council. The floor is yours. Uh, um, I'm Chloe Fiddy. I'm speaking on behalf of Saffron Walden Town Council. Um, I'm here on item 7. Uh, our clerk, Lisa Courtney, has submitted a report on Section 6 agreements to Councillor Evans um, as leader of the Planning Obligations Working Group. Uh, the report reflects our experiences and views, and it covers process of negotiation as required. Thank you ever so much. Councillor Evans, any observations you care to make? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, and thank you also to Saffron Walden Town Council for producing um, and submitting a 10-page uh, discussion document. Uh, Councillor Christiani and I and Councillor Jones have received that and have reviewed it, um, and uh, we have found it extremely useful and will, I think, provide us with a useful uh, point of contact uh, with the Council, as well as identifying various areas for further thought uh, and consideration by us. Uh, there are some uh, particular issues which we would like to raise with the Town Council. Uh, you've referred to various correspondence exchanged uh, with Uttlesford, uh, which we have not yet uh, seen, uh, and, it, and it may well be ask if you'd be kind enough to provide us with copies of the correspondence to which you refer in your briefing uh, report. That's uh, fine. Yep, no problem. Since there's a lot of detail in that report, uh, I don't propose uh, to go through it um, uh, with this committee this evening, um, but uh, you may be assured that we will take it into account, uh, the three members of our little subgroup, uh, when we come to report next to the committee. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. If I may, I'll move on to the uh, substantive parts of the agenda. Richard, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Uh, I have councillors Reeve and Jones. Thank you. Are there any declarations of interest? Good. Minutes of the previous meeting. Are you content that these are a true, fair and correct record and may I sign them? I'll sign those. Thank you. Then we can amend them to reflect the fact that you did, I'm sure. Thank you. <coughs> Everybody content with that amendment? I said mine as well. Once again, my apologies, and we'll uh, correct that oversight if everybody is content. 
Does it not say who can be? I'm sure we'll make sure that proper procedure is followed. Item three, responses of the executive to reports of the committee. I'm aware of none. Is that correct? Okay. Item four, consideration of any matter referred to the committee in relation to call-in of a decision. Councillor Caton, you have some points you wish to make in respect to this item. Yes, Mr Chairman, thank you for calling me. I, I have concerns about um, the cabinet papers for Thursday night uh, that includes a, a proposed or draft in uh, commercial strategy and an investment opportunity. Uh, I was reading with some interest uh, at the weekend, the LGA magazine from last week, uh, which uh, uh, had a, an interesting page on the commercialisation uh, initiatives, which uh, uh, all the kind of councils are um, undertaking. And there was a paragraph in that document which says, Embrace challenge. Scrutiny is a valuable part of the governance process. Engage urgently with scrutiny colleagues and use it to constructively build a robustness into the process, hoping, helping to identify and to address any challenges early on. I do not recall that this committee has been approached by uh, officer or leading members to participate in the formation of the proposed investment strategy or uh, the investment opportunity that is going to be presented at the Cabinet. I do think that we've got to be using scrutiny as a constructive tool uh, to help decision-making in this uh, council. And it's regrettable, to say the least, that uh, I, and I don't suppose any other member of this committee, apart from yourself, was aware of these papers and the, their content. Uh, and therefore, I was surprised when I emailed you this afternoon to say I wanted to have a word about this subject that you had had a conversation with the uh, relevant uh, director uh, on, a, on a matter of urgency and had approved on behalf of the scrutiny committee you know the uh, investment in a student accommodation in Cambridge worth £2 million, and we have not heard about it at all. It hasn't been scrutinised mm. by either a working group or a committee or the Cabinet, but we have kind of given a rubber stamp to £2 million worth of investment without 
uh, any say by this committee at all. And I find that actually reprehensible. And I would like uh, comments from yourselves and the officer and the leader uh, about how we're going to improve our processes so that we are inclusive and prudent. Because I don't think rushing into an investment decision on the grounds of urgency is a sensible investment strategy. We need to be deliberative. We do not need to be bounced into decisions like this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Would any other members of the committee care to make observations before I ask officers and others to comment? Councillor Sell. Council affecting investment strategy. I had hoped that we were moving on to more transparent territory and I had hoped that the whole process was going to be improved. Like most members, I agree that we need to diversify our funding and I've got no issues with that. But it's just but I'll wait to hear from what you've got to say, Chairman, in response to Councillor Caton. But obviously his concerns are important ones, and if they are well-founded, then there are very important questions to answer, I think. Thank you. Indeed, the leader's indicated that he wishes to speak, and I'll ask Mr Webb to make a few comments. Uh, prior to that... Um, if I may, I think we have to distinguish here between issues of process and issues of substance. I have enormous sympathy with your concerns about the investment strategy of the Council, whether it's properly founded, whether it's been properly reviewed as issues of substance. But as an issue of process, my understanding, and if I've got it wrong, then I am deeply sorry, is that this matter came forward. It came forward within the scope of the existing investment strategy, which is under review. It came forward as an urgent decision and was handled in accordance with the relevant uh, rules and guidelines laid down in the Constitution as part of our standing orders. And it then became a question of whether it was reasonable for it to be pursued and whether the executive and officers were entitled to pursue that without um, excess interference on the basis they are operating within a pre-agreed strategy, admittedly one which is up for review. But as, I accept, as I've just said, I might be wrong in that um, interpretation. Mr Webb. Thank you, Chair. Just um, a few points. The authority that the chair gave to get it on the agenda is purely that, to put it on the agenda of cabinet on Thursday night, and it indeed was to put it on as a part two item uh, and a key decision. Um, it's not going to be a part two, it will be a part one. So, and it is not to actually spend the money. Cabinet on Thursday will debate it, will look at it, and if they a sound investment, they will recommend it to full council that it's funded. So full council will then get the debate opportunity around it, and if they're happy, they'll allocate the money. So I think it's um, it, it's not quite as simple as 
the chairman's given authority to spend the money. There's two more stages yet that we'll go through, and all members get a chance to debate that on the 8th of October when it will come forward, assuming Cabinet like it on Thursday. I think in terms of members being um, informed, also as part of the proposals for Thursday is the setting up of the investment board, which is to replace the, in the, the investment steering group, which was set up in April. So that was set up in name only. It's now being renamed as the investment board. And um, that will be constituted as well on Thursday by 11 members. And I have kept the 11 members in question up to speed on this investment opportunity. So I think there are two of the members of that board here tonight who hopefully can confirm that they are aware of Purbeck House. And um, I have kept them up to speed on that. So they are acting as the initiative on the working group. That will be a working group of Cabinet. They will look and advise and say what needs to be improved before it goes forward to Cabinet for potential. This is in the future, obviously not now, because we're, we are where we are with Perfect House. The opportunity has arisen, and it seems like a good one. So the Investment Board will review potential investments. They will recommend offer guidance on to what's needed extra before it goes to Cabinet. It then comes on to Council, and Council, all of you, get to debate it and decide whether to fund it. So there's still two to go through. Uh, it's not decided on Thursday or indeed by the Chair now. And never was, actually. If I could add to that very briefly, we did in our report to... Uh, the June Cabinet request to be kept closely informed by Councillor Fairhurst of his progress on those matters. So I think it's entirely appropriate, if you wish, that we invite him to the next scrutiny to committee to discuss it in greater depth with us. I don't think there's any difficulty whatsoever in discussions of both principles and specifics. Um, Leader, you wanted a word. Well, in fact, uh, Mr. Webb has said just about everything I was, I was going to say. I'm surprised at the, uh, at the query, really. We are actually improving and tightening the process for investment management within the, uh, within the, within the council. Just to iterate, no decisions have been made. And uh, they, will, they will come before Cabinet and, uh, and full council before any final decisions are made. Please go ahead. I'm still concerned about the informality of the consultation process. There was a group convened by Councillor Fairburn with uh, Fairhurst um, with the intention to advise the Cabinet, I assume, with the in investment strategy. I have to say, it wasn't convened uh, properly. Um, it, was ad, it was ad hoc approaches by a leading member. It was not done through the due process of the, the council. And I do think that this council needs to stick by the due process of the council. Uh, I'm aware that a colleague in my political party has been asked uh, these uh, on these comments and he has made his views very clearly um, that it, it, it was putting the carts before the horse he wanted the governance sorted before any investment uh, decisions were made and I, I do think there has been 
uh, a lack of um, due process in the uh, appointment process for any committee uh, or investment board. Uh, and, and I do, th I am concerned that this isn't the first time the due process has not been followed by approaching the leaders of the various political parties to nominate somebody to the groups rather than uh, an old boys network. Which rather reinforces the benefit and value of inviting Councillor Fairhurst to come to the next meeting and I'm sure you'd be more than willing to lead questions to him. Uh, can I just say that I, uh, as in my, my, my email conversations with you, I'm very happy that we as a committee consider the investment strategy or the commercial strategy because I do think that it is, there are big gaps in it as it is written and is going to be submitted to the Cabinet on uh, Thursday. And we can perhaps ask um, Councillor Fairhurst to make clear the process of governance which has been undertaken to ensure that it is as transparent as you would wish. Councillor Cristiani. Thank you, Chair. I think there are two things to, to mention. Uh, one that I um, propose board. Um, I feel proper contact from members and from the leader um, and that a process of sorts has been followed. I work in the um, it doesn't want to come and they go. I think that this one is a particularly good one and I don't think uh, that we were not properly consulted as a an pardon me, an informal board. Um, I think that we were consulted uh, at the time. The pressure. Um, Chair, I'm also. What? One second, please, uh, Councillor Councillor Lodge. You indicated you want to say something. Yes, thank you. Just coming back on on process. First of all, I put my hand up and say, yeah, we didn't quite we didn't quite do it right. Um, I think that my my relatively new members uh, were looking for who they thought were appropriate members. So we got that slightly wrong. I hope we now have consulted the leader and gone through uh, the process. If we haven't, I'll absolutely make sure that we do. But where we're getting to is that we are going to have a co cohesive investment board which is capable of doing the job properly and we will consult and we will do the job better than it's done before and we're on that track. Councillor Lecount. I was fully informed as Mr Crisoni has actually mentioned about the investment. I think it was something that was quite quickly to be done otherwise we'd have lost the opportunity. I also believe that in actual fact it was a quote rather for us to put an offer in if I remember rightly uh, Adrian. It was an offer we were putting in. It's not that we've actually got it, we're just putting an offer in at the moment. Our, our offer has been accepted. Oh, okay. But we've been fully informed. I, I would, would point out that the two members who said they've been consulted are actually on the investment board, not this committee. And I'm, I'm actually talking about involvement in the scrutiny, involvement in developing the strategy and the uh, actual investments and therefore I, I do think 
we, we, we haven't got that bit right at all. Adrian. If I can, just to try and reassure Councillor. Normal, the commercial strategy goes to Council every year for approval, and part of that approval is scrutiny in February. Is normal. The first ever meeting we've done needed but the normal process is that it would. That said, I do take your general point about wanting to ensure the close involvement of scrutiny with the investment strategy and the operationalisation of it, and um, we will ensure that it is a matter that is brought onto the agenda in a timely manner in future, and thank you for pointing this out. May I move on? Oh, sorry, Councillor Sell. Uh, I'm just wondering for the future whether there could be a standing item where we get the chair of the of the investment board to come before scrutiny. I, I, I hear what you say about inviting council affairs. Fine, and the investment board presumably will have the chair. And so. I think that might be an opportune way of putting into the programme for the year that every so often, I'll take advice as to how often that should be, that the chair of the investment board working group comes before scrutiny. And these are all things when he comes to see us next time and are worthy of detailed consideration. Thank you. Moving on, if I may. Cabinet forward plan. Any questions, comments? Observations? Content in all respects? Good, I'll move on. Scrutiny work programme. Once again, questions, comments, observations, proposed amendments? I just say eagle-eyed members may suppose that the uh, investment strategy is not on forward plan for the 4th of February. Apologies for that, it will be added. Very quick on your feet there, most impressive. <laughs> right, I think we're moving on to really the main event of the evening now. Can I just come in? I, I have to say, I do think the scrutiny programme is pretty light uh, of substance. Uh, and, and I would like to think that we could look at um, airport fly parking as an across authority issue because it is a, a local issue in I know uh, Stansted and Takeley uh, and it, it does impact on my ward quite substantially Would you be willing to lead the working group on that yeah. if we were to add it to the agenda? As I put my hand up, yes Thank you. Councillor Sell Yeah, I concur with that um, what Councillor Caden has said is that I do think the work programme is very light. I know that there were reasons why it's become lighter than it was originally intended, but then we've got to look at what we hope to have achieved by the end of this municipal year, and on this basis I'm, I, I have some reservations. So I think uh, airport parking is an issue which affects certainly my ward and lots of others, 
and it does dovetail into the whole area of the airport. So I think residents would welcome the the fact that scrutiny is looking into this. Uh, that's an extremely sensible idea. I think I would not I might observation that it's a light uh, work program. I think the two issues will gather momentum as they continue. Uh, the planning obligations and conditions task and finish group is a very significant undertaking and we're about to hear about it. And for the major planning applications review, we are somewhat dependent on other matters being resolved before that can be fully addressed. So I think I'd rather say that the workload is backloaded to the second half of the year. But notwithstanding that, um, airport parking seems an extremely sensible thing to add to the agenda. Thank you, Chairman. I will, I will retract the word light, um, but I think it's, it's, it's actually fairly narrow. If I, we do seem to be concentrating rather a lot on planning matters. I think that's a very fair observation. Councillor um, Cristiani? Yes, I, I just wanted to check perhaps from Mr. Alty. Uh, on the 11th of June, there was, uh, sorry, 25th of June, there was an airport. I mean that the new committee had done. Um, there was there was intended to be, and it actually got um, removed from the agenda. And I looked to Mr. Harborough to remind me of the exact reason why there was some other work that was going on that we needed to reach the end of before anything more could be done. I can't recall myself for the reason. I will look into it and advise the committee. Councillor Coote, you indicated you wanted to say something, or was I mistaken? You were mistaken. So, Councillor Caton has very kindly agreed to lead this little working group. May we have one or two other volunteers? I'll, I'll join that as well. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Excellent. So, if I may, I will move on to, well, as I previously described it, one of the major events of the evening. Councillor Evans, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair. Um, this was intended to be a brief and interim uh, report as to the work which Councillor Cristioni, Councillor Jones and I have been undertaking since our last meeting. Uh, we have prepared uh, some speaking notes uh, and with your uh, consent, Chair, perhaps I can pass around some of these speaking notes by way of a NAID memoir to uh, allow members to ask questions of me and Councillor Cristioni. Councillor Jones does apologise for his inability to join us this evening. Um, so if I may pass these around. Uh, <coughs> Mr. Orty has uh, seen them, as have you, Chair. Mr. 
In terms of uh, timetable, uh, it has been proposed by Mr. Orty that there be a written report uh, submitted uh, by the 5th of November, so Bonfire uh, Day, Guy Fawkes Day, so I hope that it won't, our, written, our written report won't end up in the same conflagration as uh, that which befell Guy Fawkes. Uh, and then there would be a further oral report in the middle of December. Uh, but mean, meanwhile, we thought we'd just let you know uh, what we've been doing so far. Other things that we to interject uh, as necessary. So far, we've seen two individuals from the council. We've seen Nigel Brown and Elizabeth Smith from the planning and legal respectively, uh, we uh, explain to them uh, the purpose of our roles uh, and of six obligations, uh, but prospectively also made by implications that would cause coordination between the two functions relatively little coordination between the two functions uh, currently and it may be that this is something which can be looked at and uh, we would propose to discuss matters further of course with Mr. Harbour and other uh, members of uh, the council. Uh, one point which emerged, um, which interested me, um, particularly as a lawyer, um, was in relation to the amount of time which typically might be spent uh, in working on a Section 106 uh, <clears throat> agreement. Um, and it is, by necessity, I think, quite a short period of time uh, given as uh, about three and a half hours, uh, and if there are variations to be made to those documents, uh, something like one and a half hours typically might be involved. Uh, the officers concerned uh, emphasise that, of course, they have other functions as well to undertake, 
uh, and that Section 106 and contributions are really a very uh, are only part of their overall functions. And I think one of the implications of that is that the legal team tend not, from my understanding, to get involved in the earliest of stages, say, from heads of term stage in any planning application. And I guess one of the main reasons for us looking at this is how do we identify pitfalls and therefore safeguard this council from developers worming out of contributions, in essence. Um, that may well be, from my own observations, one of those pitfalls, to negotiate an agreement and then not to be able to give it the due consideration from a legal perspective from the outset, I think might be um, might be missing a trick in, in many ways. Um, and that could be attributed to lack of resource. So far as the state of agreements, Section 106 agreements are concerned presently, these are actually recorded in a document which has been prepared in response actually to a freedom of information request made by a member of the public, I think uh, 18 months or so ago. Uh, that document is currently being uh, updated and worked upon and there has been a member of uh, staff engaged whose function is to update that. Uh, so to that extent, uh, somebody is now working on that and that's to be, of course, welcomed. Uh, that document, however, does not enable uh, members of staff here, nor indeed parish councils, town councils, or members of the public to drill down into it and find out what the current state of play is in relation to any Section 106 agreements and obligations that have historically uh, been agreed and agreed. Uh, so one <coughs> might like to think in future that uh, drilling down and linkages from such a document when it is uh, concluded, when it's completed and kept up to date, that drilling down will be electronically possible. Currently, uh, hard copies are kept of the Section 106 agreements in the legal department in vaults, uh, but these are not uh, e-accessible. Mention has been made of SIL in the past and the officers indeed observed in an in a, uh, informal way uh, that if SIL were ever to be brought in in Uttlesford, uh, that from the perspective of ease of administration it would be uh, much easier to administer SIL than Section 106s. And uh, Councillor Christiani has some experience of Section 106s in his professional life and perhaps would say some words about that. Yes, well, I think more, more generally, and actually the, the Saffron Town Council uh, report that the, uh, the lady spoke about earlier actually touches on this. Um, you know, I think the drive across many parts of the country is for SEAL. There are certainly some uh, disadvantages, but not many. Um, but there's a, I think there's a healthy balance in a bit of a hybrid, which is actually mentioned in this document uh, for all members, um, which works equally as well. It allows you to get the best of both worlds in many senses. Um, but, uh, of course, in terms of administration of uh, contributions from developers, it would, in my opinion, probably make it easier. 
one of the things which we will be uh, looking at is the possibility of uh, applying uh, Section 106s and considering SILs in a hybrid fashion. Councillor Coote. I didn't realise we were going to mention the Sutton Morden Town Council paper. I should have declared interest as I'm a member of the Sutton Morden Town Council. The failure is all mine as I uh, forgot to inform committee staff that there would be a public speaker. So please let me apologise rather than you. Uh, in relation to Saffron Walden and their paper, it's a 10-page uh, document which has been very carefully uh, prepared. Uh, it was volunteered um, to us. Uh, we didn't ask for it to be produced, uh, but I must say that it uh, does provide a great deal of uh, stimulus for thought and um, reminders as to areas for further research. Uh, and it may be that it would be appropriate for us to ask Great Dunmo Town Council for a similar uh, piece of work. Uh, one question which Councillor Christiani and I were going to put to you uh, was as to whether you felt it would be appropriate for us to uh, submit a questionnaire to uh, members uh, asking for their views and their experience in relation to the, the way in which Section 106 obligations have operated in the past, uh, and if so, uh, how you thought that that might usefully be undertaken as an exercise. So that's a question, really, which we'd like to put to you. Councillor. Yes, I would hope that that would be done. I think that would be fine. I think it would be great. I think the last time we did that probably was before this council was actually formed under the old borough system, and it seems to me it's way overdue, and we should do it straight away. <laughs> Councillor Sell. Um, under the aid memoir, it talks about consultation at UDC. Um, I am a member of Stansted Parish Council. We've had some big developments in the past at Forest Hall and others. And we do have a full-time clerk. And if the working group wanted to talk to her, I'm sure she'd be willing to do that. That would be very welcome, and Newport uh, and Stansted are obviously places that we had in mind, but it may be that there are other smaller wards and parish parishes as well which would uh, be able to provide us with some useful uh, feedback. Um, and uh, in our little memo, we wondered whether or not possibly we might approach 10 uh, just as a random number rather than uh, approach uh, all of the members of the, of the council. Uh, if you thought that would be appropriate, um, we'd be very pleased to launch that uh, questionnaire and initiative as soon as we can. Any more questions or observations? Can you kind of explain to me how we get a hybrid SIL Section 106? Because, I mean, I thought the... The advantages of SIL is that it applies to 
every new dwelling that is uh, constructed. And, uh, you know, from my point of view, the fact that developments under 10 don't contribute is a key feature that we need to tackle. So how does, how does that hybrid work? Uh, the reason that <coughs> we've mentioned that is because we've heard, we've heard of it uh, and actually it was um, recounted uh, to us at an EPOA meeting, uh, Essex Planning Officers Association meeting, and I think it was the head of planning at Basildon who actually made mention of it as being, uh, as, as being something available. So I can't give you the answer as to how it actually works or how, it's <coughs> uh, how it arises, but uh, that's something which we would include in our research, basically. Briefly. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Firstly, I apologise for being late. We had a water main leak at home. Um, my question is, how, what process would this one go through to change from an F106 to a SIL methodology? That's quite a, a major um, change. So how does that go through the... Um, Perhaps Mr. Harborough would like to <laughs> describe apocryphally the experience. Well, as it happens, Local Plan Project Board this afternoon received an update on the Council's progress in preparing um, a community um, a civil levy uh, charging system. Um, we have now received proposals from consultants to prepare that, uh, and we're in the process of evaluating that, that, those bids. Uh, there's a, there is a, a process which is uh, in accordance with the, um, the planning legislation. You prepare a, a schedule. The schedule is then subject to examination uh, to ensure that well, one of the, the, the considerations is to make sure that the, the levy which is being proposed is not so stringent that actually it will render development not viable. Um, you also need to decide uh, whether there's going to be different charges for different parts of an administrative area, uh, different charges for different types of development. So uh, those are proposals which need to be worked through looking at the evidence of the circumstances in the, 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 the local planning authorities area. So it, it is something that we are actively looking at. Councillor Driscoll. Sorry, could I just ask, um, on your Ada memoir, you've got that um, there's a hybrid route. Have you any idea how you're going to do that at the moment, or is that something you've got to research? I think perhaps in, in saying hybrid route, we've overcomplicated it. Um, essentially, you charge for SIL and you can negotiate Section 106 at the same time. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. The two work in, in tandem. Um, you obviously... There are, there are different ways of... Uh, I mean, sorry, there are different purposes for a Section 106 and a, uh, a SIL charge. Um, but uh, effectively, they just work together. There is no sort of formation of SIL and Section 106 to enable them to be hybrid. They complement each other. 
and they certainly, uh, I don't believe they overlap. They, so it's one of the tests that they do not overlap. You cannot seek to provide a bit of infrastructure by both collecting a levy towards it and also collecting a financial contribution under 106. You need to keep the, the things for which you uh, resource through a sill separate from the things that you uh, are delivering through some 106 agreement. I mean, typically, a 106 agreement will continue to be used for a major strategic development, whereas sill is more applicable to uh, smaller-scale development where you can accumulate the levy contributions towards delivering a piece of infrastructure which benefits uh, a wider area. Mr. Harvey, are you saying that you can't use both on the same project? Uh, I can't be absolutely certain of uh, what the answer is to that question. Um, I think it might be possible within a particular development uh, to charge both a SIL and have a 106 agreement, but it's the point I've just mentioned. You, you can't use both techniques to pay for a, a particular piece of kit. Is there um, anybody else in the country that you know of using both? Well, I'm sure there's a, an established body of experience around... Um, different ways. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why we've gone to consultants, specialist consultants, to prepare a civil charging proposal. Um, I'm not sure whether the, um, the procurement specifically asks consultants to look at that, uh, but it's something that we can cover in briefing them. Councillor Evans, anything more you'd like to say? Uh, not on that point. Um, we list in our memo uh, some further people, witnesses, um, loosely called, whom we'd like to uh, have the opportunity of talking to. Uh, I'll just go on to say that there are various individual areas um, where we'd like to take further evidence as to, for example, the, the costings of maintaining open space and uh, play areas and so on. Uh, but one, one area in respect of which we would welcome your input is as to the possibility of parish councils and town councils taking over open space after they have been the subject of section 106 obligations uh, historically I think and this was something said to us again by the officers when we uh, had a discussion with them Uttlesford has expressed the preference that open space be adopted by parish councils uh, by way of example. Um, but uh, having mentioned that to one or two of our colleagues, um, the reaction has been from the smaller parish councils, well, actually, we're not really very keen on that. Um, but there may be policy issues which arise in respect of that, which um, we would... Uh, wish for your input on in due course. Councillor Driscoll and Councillor Sell. I think that um, it's a good idea. However, there's a cost element that the parish councils are going to pick up, and that's not going to uh, endear them to the residents when they've got to pay extra money to support. 
No, indeed. If the cost, of course, was paid to the parish council by way of endowment, if I can call it loosely that, uh, if it was paid to the parish council instead of to Uttlesford, with the arrangements put in place on that basis, then, in theory, the cost should be neutral to the, par to the parish council. Councillor Sill? Yes, sir. Uh, as stands to parish council, we, as colleagues may know, we've got a big development at Forest Hall and the plan is that the Parish Council to take over all the open spaces. We are still got problems with the developers in actually achieving that but your council evidence is quite right that Stancy would only be keen to do that if there was and there is proposed a financial endowment otherwise a development like Forest Hall which is 800 or so houses would be a huge impact upon the parish uh, and on basis uh, I think where possible decision making at the lowest possible level nearest is, is preferable for small, some small parishes it's not uh, going to be financially viable for them but we have got our own staff, we've got our own equipment but it just means adding on some more hours to actually do this if I may, my experience with Great Chesterford Parish Council has been we've actively sought not to take over play areas as the sums of money in commutation of the upkeep costs were deemed insufficient. So they've been left with the uh, management residence companies rather than being taken over by the parish. Councillor Coote. Yes, I think one of the issues is to make sure that in the first place we get it all tied up legally maybe, certainly Southampton Town Council have taken over several and our problem has been having to chase the developers etc to get the money paid I think um, speaking from the Town Council's point of view that's our problem. Speaking from a UDC perspective we need through this uh, review that you're doing making sure that we tie that up and, uh, and the parish councils and town councils are not doing the dirty work and having to chase it all the time and paying money for it. Thank you for that uh, observation and that actually conveniently leads on to another point which has actually been incorporated in Saffron Warden's um, presentation and that is the degree to which parish councils and town councils are actually consulted by Uttlesford in advance of agreeing a section 106 planning obligation. Uh, <coughs> I think it's probably a very good idea that parish councils and town councils be more extensively consulted as to what they think could be justified within the scope of course of the uh, limitations provided by section 106 uh, but they on the ground know what better suits their community uh, and I think it would be hard to uh, uh, challenge a proposition that they should be more effectively consulted and deeply consulted uh, in future as to the extent and scope of Section 106 planning obligations. Councillor Caton. Just to uh, kind of add another kind of ingredient into the, the pool. I mean, one of the things that the Forest Hall development is there were a number of, I don't know, my, my leaps from my leafs actually, um, different size players by the developers 
intense of the open spaces difficult and some of the contractors actually take down the fences and erect them again uh, once they've cut the grass it does seem to me that we need to be have some some vision about how they're going to be maintained and make it make it easily maintained. I, I agree um, I mean there's always a place for town parish councils in their role as statutory consultees to any planning application so when it comes down to looking at drawings and plans of public open space it's up to them at that point to raise the issue of future maintenance especially if it's clear or explicit that they will take that on in future um, my, my point would only be that it, the forest hall development i must say it's it seems a million miles away from me and so i don't know much about it um it would be great to talk about that in particular Councillor Evans, anything more? Yeah, just a, a couple more things, oh, if you, if you mind, yeah, So, um, I'd like, by the leave of the committee, to be able to welcome both lawyers and development companies to come and speak to us about their experience of developer contributions. Now, I realise that lawyers and development companies usually come at great expense, and so I'm proposing, obviously within the due processes of the council and property surrounding contact with those companies or lawyers um, to allow access to my own contacts in public with officers uh, to give us their view and experiences of Section 106 and developer contributions more widely. Um, it certainly wouldn't pertain or certainly wouldn't include any companies that had an interest in Uttlesford District. Views of councillors on that proposal? I'm taking that as general assent. Please go ahead. Ah. Sorry, just to make sure I, I understand. No real uh, objection, but is there any special reason for uh, approaching them rather than uh, a sort of a broader uh, search for <coughs> such competence? Uh, I think it, it's the last box to be ticked. You know, if we're parish town councils, we're meeting with members of the district council and perhaps even uh, the upper tier authority. We should leave no stone unturned. We should find out what they what they see as the greatest opportunities and the greatest challenges when it comes to those sorts of contributions and legal agreements. Quite clearly, um, a council will have differing views on what the challenges and opportunities are. But I think we should be aware of them in the first instance. I hope that answers your question uh, appropriately. I can understand the need and the absolute value in doing that. It was really just the, uh, the who the people are. Yeah. Specifically, I've no idea at the minute. Um, but I'll, I'll certainly make members aware, or we will make members aware um, before meeting them. And if you raise any issues, then of course that would be a separate discussion. It's a purely innocent question. Uh, Mr. Chair, can I slightly uh, from a different angle? Uh, you've got a, a good uh, um, uh, approach to setting setting up the various uh, 106s and CILs and things. My question is in relation to the enforcement of uh, the uh, ones that are in place and also maybe other planning conditions uh, in the process. 
uh, to see how that's done because my slight concern seeing this is the fact that there doesn't seem to be an, some electronic system of being able to easily see things. So also how the staff, uh, how the officers are uh, uh, easily checking up on, uh, on these processes to make sure that everything is uh, followed. Um, in, in, indeed, that's a, a very, very fair point, and it is one which the officers, when we've spoken to them, have actually identified uh, as an area of weakness. It is actually extremely difficult currently, without the electronic drill down, as I was describing earlier, easily to be able to keep, an, keep tabs on uh, what's going on. Um, an additional person has been recruited to assist in the enforcement uh, area uh, by way of undertaking field work um, but if there are breaches currently the policy has not been for example to uh, use a uh, hammer to break a nut um, there are various opportunities to enforce but we're told by the legal uh, department that that's not been something which historically has been uh, followed through um, in, an, in, an, in an aggressive way. I wouldn't use the word aggressive in a pejorative sense, but uh, there are means whereby enforcement can follow. But then there's a cost associated to that, and that's something which, again, we will um, come, come on to as to whether costs can be recovered on a nil uh, expense to the authority basis. It's your initial finding at the moment that on the whole things are just correctly and followed up correctly. Is that the gut feeling? We, we've, we've not undertaken a, as I said, a drains up exercise. That's not the purpose really of, of our work. Um, but we're looking to uh, draw benefit from uh, the experiences of the officers and where there are areas where they think improvement could follow, then we would include that in our, in our report to you. Councillor Driscoll and Mr Harborough. So, quick question. Uh, you were talking about bringing lawyers in and con contractors and whatever else. Is there a cost? Uh, no, so the purpose of me reaching out to my personal contacts is that I'm hoping to save, well, I will save costs. They won't be coming if they're charging, that's for sure. Um, that's the whole purpose of that. I think um, were we to take formal legal advice or uh, perhaps invite developers along, um, they may want a charge, so that's why I'm hoping to lean on some people that owe me a couple of favours to come in here and explain themselves. <laughs> Mr Harbour? Yes, I note that these are brief preliminary notes, and the two witnesses you seem to have spoken to so far are identified. I'm, uh, I was going to ask whether or not you'd fed back these notes to those witnesses for them to confirm that this accurately... Uh, reflects what they said to you. If it does accurately reflect what they've said to you, I'm really quite surprised about some of the elements of this, and it will cause me to ask, ask some questions of them. Um, I've, a whole number of aspects where, where this note surprises me, and the suggestion that we don't have an electronic system, for example, um, my understanding was that we did, uh, and I want to know why it's not being used if, uh, if we're not using it. Um, the suggestion that uh, 
no legal steps have ever been taken by the council such as mandatory injunctions in connection with enforcement is factually wrong we have uh, may just reflect the fact that Elizabeth Smith's um, service with the council is relatively limited so um, I think it's probably right that we haven't used <coughs> that, that, that particular enforcement tool um, during her tenure um, and obviously if you are going to, uh, to use an injunction uh, it needs to be proportionate to the, um, the breach which is being enforced against because there is obviously a, uh, a potential significant cost involved in doing that so it, it needs to be worthwhile doing um, so I find it quite interesting but as I say it's posed a number of questions for me Chair please I was under the impression, Mr. Harborough, that in actual fact there was, uh, there was a system and all the old 106s were being uploaded. Is that correct? That accords with my understanding, but this note doesn't seem to suggest that's the case. Gentlemen, may I first thank you for... and. In Sorry, can I just say, because... My recollection was that uh, Bloor Homes, when they'd had an unauthorised selling site, th the planning did go ahead with an injunction, or certainly a threat of an injunction, with that unauthorised uh, sales office. So I agree with Mr Harper. My, my impression is that this is something we have used. So I don't, don't have knowledge of that specific instance uh, I mean generally our approach to enforcement is to seek to get compliance voluntarily first which might include outlining what the circumstances or what the consequences might be of non-compliance um, but uh, yeah so we deploy a range of techniques to, to deal with, with breaches Thank you. Um, I think we can thank the two wise men. Sadly, the third wise man is not with us this evening for a very, very comprehensive report that's making great progress. If I may, I'm going to ask you a grossly simplistic question. If this were an Ofsted review, on the evidence you have seen to date, outstanding, good, in need of improvement or special measures... I, I'm simply not willing to give a view on that at the minute. We've only just started, uh, in all honesty. I'd, I'd like to give it more time, more detail, more attention. Entirely understandable. Councillor Evans, anything you'd wish to add? Uh, it is a, it's a large exercise, uh, and uh, picking up on uh, Mr Harborough's point, it is simply a glimpse as to where we... Uh, where we have looked so far. It's not intended to be an exhaustive or comprehensive uh, account uh, of current practices. It's really intended to be by way of a pointer as to areas that we would like further to go along uh, with a view to answering questions that the committee in due course will um, be probably posing to us. And finally, are you content that you're on track with your timetable and are you receiving or do you have the administrative support you require? We've, we've uh, been uh, given uh, every support that we've asked for to, uh, so far, uh, for which we're very grateful. And so, yes, indeed, we do think that we'll be able to uh, move along to the timetable which has been proposed by Mr Orty. 
On behalf of the committee, thank you both very much indeed, gentlemen. Very much indeed. Um, may I move on then, please, to Major Planning Applications Review Update. Councillor LeCount and Mr Rorty will be speaking to this. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm not sure Councillor LeCount will have much to say at this stage because he's... he's uh, Waiting in the sidelines, I think. Ready to, yeah. Okay. Um, so, just to update members on oh, straining at the leash. Um, just to update members on on where we are. The last committee meeting, you approved a recommendation to engage the planning advisory service uh, and allow them to conduct a piece of work, which was set out in the report at the June meeting. Uh, PAS is. Uh, underway with a desktop review of relevant policies and other documentation uh, and have uh, been back to us to request some further information regarding the latest position on uh, various matters which we've provided. Um, Gordon Glenday and I are meeting uh, the consultant who is doing this piece of work along with the improvement manager from PAS um, at the beginning of October. Um, as per the PAS proposal which you approved at the last meeting, they will then want to uh, interviews with some members of the planning committee and relevant officers. It's likely to be later in October. We don't have a date for it as yet. Um, so there's nothing required of members at this stage. Once PAS have reported back their initial findings, um, that'll be the stage at which the committee will need to take a view as to what, if any, steps they would want to take next, really depending on what um, PAS come back with. Hopefully that report... It, it may make it to the November meeting, but if not, it will definitely be the one after that. Anything you wish to add, Gary? Do. Uh, basically, of course, I'd love to be able to tell you I've done lots and lots of work, but what I have been doing is doing work in the background, so but I can't actually say what I'm doing. Uh, we do have the airport review coming up at the planning committee. There's lots of other things that's actually happening, but until the, just the, the, the review comes up in November, we really can't make any comments, actually. Entirely understandable. Within the context of that very large caveat, any questions for either Mr. Orty or for Councillor LeCount? A very prudent decision not to question them further. <laughs> right. Um, moving on then, please, to... Well, 9, 10 and 11 are all, in some ways, variations on a theme, and although we will consider them individually... Um, I would be grateful if people did give them that overall thematic thought. There is a perception in some quarters that there are issues within the way that the council as a corporate body's actions are perceived as to whether it has been as open and as truthful as one might wish and whether there may be issues of trust which need to be addressed and resolved. Um, that's really quite a difficult remark to make and I must stress that this is an issue of perception. We wish to try and address that. So within the context of that we'll take these items individually. The first arose from a complaint made to the leader in respect of the engagement of AECOM earlier this year in regards to the sustainability appraisal for the local plan. The documentation you have in front of you is straightforward and clear. But what started out as concerns about AECOM's commission and whether that had been properly conducted very soon 
evolved into a discussion of when appropriate information had been provided to the council, to members and to the public. And following extensive discussions involving the leader, the chief executive, the vice chair and myself, um, it was clear that some errors and omissions were made and it was clear that those were not intentional and that they were regretted and measures have been put in place to address that. But it does come back to this concern in some quarters, which this individual member of the public perhaps brought to light, that the council was not always being as open as individuals and the public and residents might expect. Would any councillors care to pass comment on those observations, to rebut them, or indeed to say whether they feel there's some element of support for them? I think what you've got, actually, is um, it's not a factor that we are against officers, but I just th think sometimes uh, a little bit of the extra truth is just not quite coming through sometimes. And I think it's not, I don't think it's intentional, and after our meetings, I think we accept that to be the case. Councillor Sell? I think, uh, Chairman, that there are obviously perceptions, and there was concern about the whole process of the airport application, particularly for those of us who had been through the previous application uh, back in 2000, uh, what, 2005, I think it was. Um, the only thing I'm a bit concerned about is scrutiny asking for requesting access to the electronic diaries of people who are no longer directly involved in the council. Like that will be for discussion under the next item. Okay. It's not relevant to all item right, 9 okay. on the agenda, but yeah. by all means do raise it under item 10. Yeah, I will do. Councillor Christian. Do we have a copy of the complaint that was made? The, the only reason I ask is in order to make a decision... Uh, or to look at this in more detail, I need to know what the complaint is. All we have is the minute of the 15th of July cabinet, which uh, distills down the reference to ourselves. I'm sure we can find the original complaint, and we will provide it. Um, Councillor Lodge may have better recollection than I. He may, of course, not have. No, I do. I I do have that. Uh, I do have that filed. If we, if we, if the committee would like to look at it, absolutely. Yes. That would be kind. Yeah. I mean, by all means, feel free to suspend discussion on this particular item until we've dis discussed item ten, and then be in the context of our discussion under item eleven, where we very kindly have senior officers in attendance. My, my concern with discussing all, all three is I'm not sure what the desired outcome of these three discussions or, or investigations are. They do seem to me to be repeating some um, work that external bodies have done on at least two of the subjects uh, and 
I would like to think that we're going we're, we're, with a new administration, we're not raking over old coals. Um, but we are looking for some kind of positive outcomes rather than um, some of this um, correspondence. Gives, it makes me uneasy in yeah. the fact that we might be going down kangaroo court kind of yeah, uh, approach. Uh, and so I would urge us to think about what positive outcomes we are seeking from these exercises. Um, I don't think anybody's talking about kangaroo courts here under any circumstances but uh, in reference to agenda item 9 um, this was a reference from cabinet to us that arose from a uh, complaint addressed to the leader and so we have to pursue it in an open and transparent manner and similarly uh, agenda 10 refers to a complaint brought to the attention of the chair of scrutiny um, which raised prima facie some interesting issues which have then been the subject of lengthy correspondence um, I accept that you might have concerns that we're debating the past but you know the past is indicative of the future. Can I, uh, can I say, uh, I totally uh, understand where the, we're coming from. My concern is where we're going to. I mean, yes. we need to have a destination. Would you care to suggest uh, <laughs> some measure of destination? Then, Councillor Sell. Three wise men. I, I'm certainly not Solomon. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just. I think certainly with item 11, we may well have got to the end of the road on this one. I'm, uh, I'm not uh, we, uh, wishing to extend that 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 uh, kind of. Um, investigation. Uh, I think you have discovered quite clearly that there were some flaws in the process and the process was not not uh, followed through as it should have been and what we need to now uh, achieve is in future that we do follow the process that is written down in the Constitution. Um, I don't think any further investigation will uncover any more dead bodies one would hope not <laughs> further comments and observations on agenda 9 councillor Sell. I, I, I concur with what councillor Caton has said uh, and I think we have to move on and yes the perception that was there by some has had some foundation to that perception but we do have to move on Any more observations on Agenda 9, or shall I move on to Agenda 10? Well, my question would be referred to this committee by Cabinet. So what was Cabinet actually wanting this committee to do and to decide or to look into? To see if there was any substance to the matter and to refer the matter back. And the report, which will go to Cabinet on Thursday draws the conclusions that can be within the limits of whatever investigations are reasonable and prudent. 
because as, as a member of this committee, then I'm, I'm maybe I haven't possibly informed myself enough on this issue, but I wouldn't really know uh, what conclusions to draw from the sort of evidence that, that I'm looking at. That, that, that's what I'm personally struggling with, and, and maybe as a, a, well, definitely as a new boy here and trying to catch up with everything, that would be my position. So I'm not really quite sure what to. Councillors content we can move on from this item then? Excellent. I'm informed we need to refer this matter formally back to scrutiny with the attached report. No, this is cap to cabinet, sorry, my apologies. We are scrutiny, yes. Um, yeah, scrutiny, <laughs> scrutiny committee needs to make a decision whether it wishes to um, put the uh, note from um, Councillor Gregory to cabinet. Seconded. All those in favour, please. Thank you. Carried unanimously. Agenda item 10, probity and planning. Once again, along this broad theme, a series of issues and questions were raised by a member of the public. It has to be said in the interests of balance that that member of the public has a very particular and partisan view of certain matters and that is not irrelevant to this but the exchange of correspondence that has taken place has brought to light that there are some discrepancies between our own internal regulations and legislation and that there is a lack of awareness and a lack of systems to ensure compliance with those uh, rules and to remedy those potential inconsistencies. Um, ordinarily, one would say that this was not a matter of great significance, as most of these things come out in a wash and are relatively small. But when they're involved in extremely large matters, which are of profound importance to the council, the system perhaps comes under a little bit more stress, and these... You know, small cracks show rather more. Um, I think I concur with Councillor Caton's observations that these are not really issues where we need to drill ever further and further into the minutiae, but they are useful pointers as to how we improve things for the future. Any comments or observations on these matters? Councillor Caton first, then Councillor Sell. I mean, I, I think the there are some key recommendations and I, uh, that you can draw from 
your investigations. Um, and it, it occurs to me, because it was on a major planning application that this, these were derived from, that perhaps when we have had the report from a major, the major applications group, we might want to uh, consider whether there are any recommendations that we want to extract from your work and put into the major applications report about best practice um, for officers and members uh, when confronted with such things in the future. Councillor Sell? Yes, I would concur with that because public perception regarding planning is difficult even at the best of times and when you have got such a contentious application which has got very strongly held viewpoints on different sites, the issue of making sure that all the players in this, in terms of the UDC, understand clearly the way that things should be done and clearly there has to be some informal meetings, etc. The only thing I was concerned about reading the documentation, and I don't remember ever being done before, was your request, Chairman, for the electronic diaries of people who are no longer on the council to be available for inspection. Um, we're not a court, and it just it surprised me because I don't remember others may officers may contradict me, but I don't remember any previous request of that nature. And I, I just think we have to be careful in that it, it, it there does need to be. Uh, a clear briefing, a clear understanding by members and officers when dealing with a major planning uh, application, which is uh, contentious because <coughs> the charge of lack of bad faith, uh, the political system in this country has got huge problems currently. We have to be seen not to be adding to it. I take your point, but I draw one major distinction. Um, it's not about individual members, it's about the holders of specific offices. <coughs> and the holders of the office from time to time of leader or deputy leader have significant duties and responsibilities. The charge was made that there were unminuted, unauthorised and unapproved meetings in breach of the Constitution. Um, the way to... You know, address or not address that is to go to the source documentation and that's not an e a matter that is related to an individual or to a, to a specific person or indeed to a specific member it's related to the occupant of an office from time to time and we need to distinguish the office holder from the individual but I take your point about some degree of uh, reasonableness and balance and I, I think 
think, Jim, just to... Uh, I, I have grave reservations about the whole process, but I think uh, Councillor Caton used the term and you demurred on it, kangaroo court. Um, I'm not going quite as far as that, but um, I don't think that you can always distinguish between the office and the person who holds it at that particular time. And yes, that person well became a lightning conductor, but I don't think it does the council any favours to be seen going down that route. What I do think is that there we need to do better when we come to such major... We we have done better in the past. Councillor LeCount. Can I just say one thing? I think really the big key here is that what we've actually done is a great exercise. And what it's actually done is brought a lot of things to the fore. And what we've got to do is learn by those things. So if we don't bring them up, then we're never going to learn. So as far as I'm concerned, really, this is a great exercise, and I think we've all learned from it. And I think going forward, when we do the big major applications, we're going to learn an awful lot more. But we do need transparency, and we do need truthfulness, and we do need to be able to actually make the right decisions. So I think the exercise is excellent, and and it's going to help me uh, put my paper together quite well. Thank you. Further comments or observations? Any questions? Councillor Reeve and Councillor Cristiani. Yeah, um, my question, rather straightforward one, through the um, communications here, it seems that it's looking at Mr. Harborough's um, uh, letter on um, the, the first letter, uh, pointing out that uh, paragraph 3.1.3 of, of the Council's probity and planning code is out of step with the uh, uh, section 25 the localism act 2011 so just one of the uh, issues that comes out of this the need to update the code <laughs> and how so how is that going to be is that i didn't see a sharp recommendation here that at least would happen but presumably that is, is, is a direct learning that needs to be done mr harbour so i have to confess Nobody had noticed that it wasn't up to date with the latest legislation. I think you need to understand that officers are extraordinarily busy. There's a huge pressures at the moment. And we have to prioritise things. And even now that we know it's out of step, actually finding the time to redraft the, that aspect of the, of the Constitution is an issue, you know, because if we devote time to doing that, we're not devoting time to doing other things. Choices have to be made. I can't speak much to the uh, kind of the the probity issue, but the the general approach um, in reading this, and I know in my kind of short exposure to you, Chairman, uh, it's completely unintentional, but it does seem very confrontational, and I would err on the caution of, of doing that in future. Um, I, I, as I say, I know it's unintentional, but as soon as I read it, I, I was kind of taken aback at the the, the way that it was written, um, and, and that would be my only comment. Thank you, Councillor Driscoll. No, my point is that uh, I mean, clearly the council has to act lawfully and comply with the statutory code. Um, 
and that, that's the primary consideration, and that was the point I was trying to make in my response. Well, I'm sorry, but if we should be doing something and the paperwork should be telling us what we are doing, then priority is take care of it. So the priority is, is to comply with the statutory code. Um, but people are not going to know what it is unless they can read it. So, oh, it's a fair, it's a fair point. Have the documentation there for people to refer to when they've got to make a decision. And if they're looking at So, I'm sorry, in, in my entire career, both military and civilian, So if you were to comply with what the Constitution says about probity and planning, you would not be in breach of the law. Because the law is more permissive than the probity and planning protocol suggests. So, it, you know, this is going to require uh, one of the council's legal team to, to do some redrafting work. Very small legal team, and that's reflected in, in the notes of the discussion around Section 106 agreements. There are pressures, and, um, you know, we can't do any, everything uh, other than in accordance with, with uh, an order of priority. If I might widen discussion and perhaps move on in part to item three. Um, Dawn, Roger, John, Petrina, is this not the essential issue that there is a certain inherent cloudiness in much of this that, for good or ill, has caused uncertainty and for individuals to impute um, misintentions where no misintention was appropriate, was intended. Thank you. Um, this, this question of greyness in some of the documentation, greyness in the things that are reported to the public, greyness in the things that are reported to members. By all means, feel free to tell me. I think you are. Be honest. A lot of these questions are around members meeting the applicant. I've provided you with uh, unredacted versions of the notes of those meetings, where I know that members did meet the applicant um, because I was present. I have absolutely no indication that there were any other meetings between members and the applicant. It would be hard to say that those documents were provided. Willingly and cheerfully, though, wouldn't it? I think we could probably agree on that. Which documents are you referring to? The documents I wrote to, to you about yesterday. So, I explained I didn't think they were relevant to the task that you, you were performing. Uh, if you weren't prepared to take that at face value, I was more than happy to let you have the unredacted 
full versions of, of all the documentation for you to look through and to satisfy yourself that that was the case. I don't think that's the case. I, I think you're trying to construct um, a hypothesis based on a very limited number of, of incidents, uh, and I don't think that that is fully reflective of the situation at all. Can I go back to the specific issue of the Constitution? and your reference, Chair, to the greyness. So the probity in planning, as uh, spelt out in our Constitution, I think is clear. Uh, it, it goes further than the regulation, or the Act requires, um, but I suspect at the time, uh, members and officers considered that the probity in planning code worked perfectly well for them, and if they want to operate to a higher standard, that's their choice. If members are saying now they want a review of that, <laughs> then we will obviously seek to um, schedule that, but it, um, I can't commit to what that timescale will be. But it, it would be a conscious decision that members are making that they want to um, broaden and some might say reduce the standard to which members operate under the probity and planning because the probity and planning in our constitution goes beyond what is in the localism act so it's better or higher whatever term you want to use so i don't think it's gray i think it's clear it's just that it doesn't need to be as it doesn't need to go as far as it does and if members would like us to review that we will schedule it but it but we have a very small legal team it will involve members guiding that review and it will involve obviously recommendations going to governance audit and performance committee before being adopted into the constitution by council and if that's members wish then we will seek to schedule it but i can't commit to a time but i don't think it's gray so to answer your specific point does the grayness add to this um lack of trust i don't think that's a good example to draw on if i may say think there is a perception that there is a lack of trust or is that once again entirely misplaced well so I, I, if I may just first go back to councillor LeCount's comment about the exact truth for me it's black and white it is either truthful to the best of your knowledge at that point in time or it's not truthful so truthful is a standard of absoluteness as you know it at the time i mean i've made comments to people i've believed to be truthful at that point in time only to have been proved that that was inaccurate by mistake and i've corrected that but at the time i thought that to be truthful so i think truthfulness is and uh, i would absolutely say if members have any members of 
the council members of the public have any examples where they believe officers have not been truthful, then that's a very serious allegation and that needs to be raised as, as part of our normal um, protocols. Um, I think that's different to trust. I could, I could tell you that the time is whatever the time is and I would believe that to be truthful. But if I have a history of getting the time wrong, you may not trust my answer. Do you see what I mean the difference? Is there a perception around trust? I think, uh, as you're aware, Chair, I've worked for a number of local authorities and I think the trust that members have in officers here is not one that is not as good, not to such the same standards I've enjoyed elsewhere, and I think it's not the same standard as has been historically the case here, So, which is a regret. Uh, I think the, the uh, discussion is about what do we do about it, and that's actually a question I put to members. In, in what way has that trust deficit grown, and what do members think we should do about it? Could we ask you your suggestions as to what we do about it, as well as inviting comments from members? You may have to wait for members to have their comments first. Councillor Sell. Thank you. The comment by the Chief Executive is something that greatly concerns me because uh, we, as a council, members and officers, if we are to achieve things for the residents, we have to have a good working relationship we have to work together and I, I if I were the leader of the council I would be very concerned if uh, officers felt that the trust relationship had had changed so, but if it has then then we the council needs to remedy that uh, it doesn't mean that one seeks to be either officers or members to be apologists for each other if uh, a good organisation works where there is debate and challenge but at the same time there has to be I take the point of the Chief Executive is that trust has to be earned to some extent if one is constantly given the same information than if I ask the Chief Executive what the time is, and I know every time I've asked her in the past it's been wrong, I probably will not ask her the same question because I, I know I'm going to get the wrong answer. Uh, but uh, uh, but it, yeah, it is a concern that uh, I would have because I, I don't remember a, a comment like that by, by any former Chief Executive, and it's something that needs to be addressed in my view. Councillor Coote. Yes, I, I mean, I spoke uh, on a couple of occasions about trust, and it's been more on the lines of, uh, I suppose, during the knocking on doors and talking to the public, where the trust became quite evident that uh, it's quite low. We speak to in Saffron Walden don't trust us, and I say us. Because unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way uh, the officers and we want to look at it, we're all looped together. Uh, the public don't see Dawn French and Arthur Coote. They see them up there in Utterson. Uh, at, at this moment in time, um, no officer or no one else has caused me to mistrust them since I was elected. 
or else I would have dealt with it and gone and spoke to them and took whatever action I felt necessary to find out why that had happened. But I think we have to stand up, certainly the members particularly, and say exactly where that trust is falling down. And it's falling down in the public. The public do not trust us, but it doesn't go just to us. It goes to politics in general. Um, but I think, unfortunately, because of what has happened in lots and lots of places, Chesterford, for instance, and other places, that has caused people to be very, very angry. They don't want that building. They don't want the building up the end of Radwinter Road. So we get the blame. It doesn't matter whether it's officers or whatever. I think when, when we talk about, as we're talking about here, Pacifics, whether uh, other people have met people outside of protocol, whether they've done things, for me, that's hearsay at this moment in time. Unless you prove it, I don't know it. I'll accept what anybody tells me. My father told me I wasn't a liar because I didn't have a very good memory. And he said, you have to have a good memory, young Arthur, if you're going to lie to me. You just told me something, make sure you have. I haven't got a very good memory. So I very rarely lie. I may, I may make mistakes, but I very rarely lie. I may bend the truth slightly to my wife, where I was last night, or how many drinks I had. But it's, it's very rarely a lie. But the point, getting back to the point, I think we have to be careful as members and officers to rebuild the trust of the public. If there's a mistrust between you and I, then we need to build that up all of us, but it's the public who don't trust us, and that's where my problem is. Uh, they, they still stop me in Saffron Walden Town Centre and say, they don't understand who should mend the potholes, so I'll use that one. Why the bloody hell, Cootie, haven't you meant the potholes? You know, I don't know if I'm supposed to go and get me barrow and that and do it, but it's that kind of trust. You told us last month you were going to do X, Y and Z. That trust needs building. It needs building from within here out to the public. Councillor Driscoll and I'm not sure it is an Uttlesford problem, the lack of trust. Uh, as Councillor Coote said, it's a whole political class. Where most of us are here because the population didn't trust the other lot. Um, and, and, and so I think we might be trying to be too clever by half by trying to say, you know, that Uttlesford has... 
a trust issue and it's up to either the members or the officers to, to do it. I mean, we've got to, first of all, we've got to do it together. And I think we are a, a new council. We have an opportunity to wipe the slate clean and say that we are, as a councillor lodge always say, oh, we're much better than the last lot. Um, but we need to be, we do need to be generally better than last lot because they didn't listen, you know. And I have to say, uh, the former leader was confrontational uh, in his style, certainly in writing letters in the paper. And I don't think that helps with the public perception. Uh, if we're robust in letter writing, I think people think, and I know for sure, because I asked people about standing, and they said, oh, no, I don't want to be uh, f arguing with everybody all the time. You know, and we don't do that here. But the outside perception is uh, that we are confrontational and, and always at each other's throat. And I, I do think that we need, as a corporate body, to think about that with our public-facing activities. I think in your closing remark there, actually, you've found a, a fundamental and that is being a corporate body, corporate, actually. It takes me back to discussions just yesterday about governance and how as long as the processes that we have in place are robust it's only then a matter of culture and I think that's a key distinction which we made yesterday pretty well but I think we have to make here as well uh, there's only so long that you can look back I certainly don't do it uh, perhaps for good reason uh, but I always look forward and make a distinction are our process, processes correct if they are then it must be a cultural issue and as much as you can try that is a huge shift to try and change, which I think uh, is probably outside of the remit of this scrutiny committee and is in each and every member. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, I hope it's not cultural. And I, I, I think I, I, I honestly believe it isn't. What I think we've got is a carryover issue. Um, I think a, a, a lot of new members have been campaigning members and they, they, they were campaigning against uh, primarily the former administration. But there's always massive collateral damage with that and some people have said there's a perception that we have a problem with Utterford. So it is the whole council. And so that has carried forward to a degree to the kick-off of relationships with the, with the new administration. Now, personally, I, I'm really pleased with, with the cooperation I'm seeing with officers since, uh, since May. And in fact, this was, a, this was a subject which we discussed at, uh, at a leaders' meeting. Don't we'll remember that. And one of, one of, one of the other leaders, um, who is not present tonight, um, his comment was that um, it's a settling in thing. We, 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 we're sort of feeling our way. Uh, we don't quite understand. But he also said he was very confident that this will settle down 
and we will work with officers. So uh, I don't think there's a cultural issue, and I think that it will resolve itself. And I am absolutely personally committed to make sure that it does. Thank you. Councillor Lees, would you care to add anything no, to that? I'm just nodding along. Excellent. Uh, Councillor LeCount. I would just like to say that, uh, forgive me if I used the wrong words, actually. I, I wasn't, wasn't bent intentionally. Um, it was very interesting because I've sat on the planning committee in the last administration, and I'm sitting on the planning committee in this administration. And at the last meeting, we were almost always unanimous in our decision as a group, which was fantastic. So it really shows that we are working together, and I think public will realise that very, very quickly. Thank you. Um, Mr Webb, you've been remarkably quiet. Is there anything you'd wish to add as a, one of the senior officers? Or are you keeping a very low profile? No, no I mean... I Dawn, any closing remarks? We may be able to get out ten minutes early. Well, so um, I just point out Roger and Adrian are able to speak for themselves. Um, but I think the important thing is, in any new relation, in any relationship, whether it's a new relationship or an ongoing relationship, it's important to be honest and open with each other in appropriate. Uh, you know uh, places so you wouldn't want to have a, an argument in the middle of a public committee uh, but you know absolutely if any member has any concern about the the quality of the relationship they have with an officer the nature of that relationship the um, the degree to which they feel they're being assisted or being obstructed then that uh, that's important to call it and to call it out there and then you know uh, it is frustration I'm sure all of us experience it in various walks of life where you know some years down the line somebody says oh you know that time when you were you know difficult or whatever and it, what was the example well I can't remember but you were difficult well you know that's really hard to learn from uh, you know so call it early in a, in in the uh, spirit of um, building relationship learning together and uh, understanding how people want to work this is a this is a very new council 26 members are new many have not had experience of being a member before so it's important that we understand the needs and also build you know it's a it's, it's always evolving it's not replicating what we did for the last four years or the four years before that but each council is different we, and we talk about new members even though who were elected on May the 2nd, even if they were members in the previous council, because each council is a new council. It's made up of different people, and we just need to ensure that there's a, a, an honest and open conversation that goes on. Um, and mostly it's about misunderstanding. You know, mostly it's about uh, you know, uh, either not appreciating something, not understanding something, not communicating clearly. And I think if everybody... you know. Uh, in that spirit of working together, the member officer protocol very clearly references that we are all on the same side, on the, on the pitch together. Nobody's standing on the sidelines, you know, criticising. So in that spirit, if people, uh, if members have an issue, then, then, then it's right to raise it. Any further questions from councillors for Dawn and her colleagues? Good. Well, for the record, I... We should just...
just remind everybody and for the minutes about the many things that this council does superlatively. Um, housing, street services, its finance function, three at that all these discussions are to improve on what is a very sound, solid and indeed impressive base. Uh, and on that, is everybody content that I call the meeting to close? And we go home seven minutes early. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much indeed. Good night. <laughs>